Hello! Welcome back to the Break the Mold podcast, episode 9. I'm Tim Roberts, a coach and author of Break the Mold and your host for this podcast. Now, before I tell you a little bit about today's guest, uh, I wanted to say something actually, which is coming from conversations I've been having based on the podcast being out there. But first thing to say is, this podcast in Lark is bloody hard work. You know when you set off on something, you're dead excited about it and loads of other people do it and loads of people recommend you to do it and maybe you've I've been guests on other podcasts and you think, oh, that'll be easy, just spend a bit of time interviewing people and we'll get it out there. <sighs> like most other things that you set out thinking it'd be quite easy, it's really hard work. Why am I saying this? Not to moan about it, not to show off, not to look for empathy or anything like that. Because actually the reality is, whilst it is bloody hard work, like anything that's bloody hard work, it's having a really great impact for people. It's something I'm really proud of. I've had some great feedback. Quite a lot of people have been in touch to say I was helping them. I know that some of the guests have had people contact them to say thank you and how their interviews resonated with them. So actually, it's been a nice reminder that the things that you want to do, particularly when you want to help other people, it is bloody hard work. And you have to put that hard work in or graft. I like to call it graft. So I'm really pleased that it's hard work. I'm pleased that I'm putting the graft in because the overwhelming feedback we're having so far is that it is helping people. And that's the most important thing for me. It ain't about how many subscribers or how many downloads or whatever you measure a podcast off. It's about being able to hear people say it's helping me. It's making me think about this. So thank you to everyone who's got in touch, whether that's leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify or sharing it on social media or messaging me. It's really appreciated. Keep it coming. You know, it's been great. Actually, I've had quite a few messages that I've been able to forward on to some of the guests to say that this is what people are getting from it. So please do keep in touch. Don't just leave it as something that uh, you hear in your headphones uh, or that you talk about with other people. You know, let, let's build that uh, community, really. So, yeah, do get in touch. And uh, like I said, just a nice reminder that when you do put the graft in and something's hard work, that's what you get the most benefit from. Uh, and actually, and genuinely, this thought only just popped into my head. Doing that intro actually, I think, sets up brilliantly today's guest for you because he's a role model of working hard, putting the graft in and getting the benefits from that. And in particular, role modeling, wanting to help other people. So our guest for today is Adam Davis, uh, Ad Davis, as he gets, as he is known and as I call him throughout uh, this interview. Um, Ad is another superstar. He's, he's probably actually, of all the guests, he's probably the one that I've known for the least amount of time. So I'll tell you a little bit about Ad in a moment. I think probably a good place to start is telling you how I met him. So we met at an award ceremony. Uh, that I was hosting and Ad was a judge for some of those awards and uh, we sat on the table not knowing each other from uh, Adam. Oh my God, that, that is a pun intended. <laughs> um, and we suddenly got talking and yeah, we hit it off. Uh, we had a good laugh. We talked about what we do, about what we're into. Yeah, we've got some shared interests. We also have a shared mentor and coach who we both think the world of, Rob Johnson. I will name check you, mate. Uh, look, the reason I'm telling you this about the way Ad and I met is because for me, and this will come across the interview, Ad is one of those people that when you meet him, you know straight away they're being authentic. You know straight away there's no bullshit. They're going to tell you about themselves. They're going to tell you what their vulnerabilities are, what their challenges are. And they're just going to speak as they would do had they just met their best mate for a pint in the pub. And to me, that's why I think Ad and I get on so well. It's what kind of drew us towards each other to keep speaking together and working together after that first meet. Obviously, why 
I was dead keen to get him on the podcast. And look, the reason I'm sharing that with you is that's a good thing to think about as a result of listening to this, is maybe just take a step back and think about who are those people that you hit it off with straight away? Who are the people that you work with that are maybe in that wider network for you that you can tell that they're really being their authentic selves? And the reason I'm saying that is because when you identify those people, they're the people to go and seek out for advice. They're the people to go and have a conversation with where you can say, look, I'm finding this hard. This is a bit shit for me. I don't know how to change this. And just ask them for advice because they'll tell you the truth. They won't come at it from any kind of contrived way or trying to appear that they know everything. They'll just tell you what their honest view is. And that's certainly what I found with Ad when I've asked him for advice, when he's asked me for advice and everything that he's going to talk about in the interview that you're going to hear now. So to me, Ad's what, and funnily enough, role model is something we talk about quite a lot in Ad's interviews. So that's what made me think of that, is do think about those people that you work with who role model at authenticity and go and ask them for their thoughts, maybe for some feedback on how they could help you because they will give it to you straight and they'll help you to look at it in different ways and maybe help you to hear the hard truth of the things that you need to change. So on with the show then. So uh, Ad is Head of Talent and Performance at Gymshark. Uh, he's got a background in football and he talks a little bit about that now because he's also uh, the co-manager and coach of uh, Atherston Town Football Club, which I know he's very proud of. Um, and he's really passionate about creating an environment where people feel they can be authentic and they can challenge each other candidly, they can say it straight. And, you know, there's a little bit where comes out of his interview really I'm really passionate about people being able to agree or disagree and, and be appropriately selfish in the right times is being able to take that appropriately being appropriately selfish to help yourself and to help others and in particular what, what one of Ad's aims is is to be able to create those high performing teams built around structure humility and bravery and he talks a lot about this in his uh, interview about how he's learned from his experience, learned from people around him, maybe learning from his mistakes as well. So some of the things I want you to listen out for and listen to uh, Ad talk about uh, his background and sharing his stories is, is Ad, I believe, shares brilliantly in this interview or articulates brilliantly how we need to look inwardly. He talks about the importance of that and he also talks about how to do it and then for him, how by doing it, he's then able to consider his impact on others. So Ad really, really highlights to me that the importance of it always starts with you and challenges ourselves to look inwardly. And I think it's a fascinating approach because often, particularly as leaders, we're told look outwardly, tell people to do this, motivate them, get this performance out of them, get this result out of them. And actually what Ad reminds us is all of those things are important and all those things that you do, you've got to start with you. You've got to be able to look inwardly first choose your impact on others so that you can enable them to achieve what they want to achieve so you can achieve those things together uh, Ad's really honest in his interview he talks about his own experiences and examples of role modeling the attitudes and behaviors that he wants from first of all himself and his team and i love how he talks about a big part of doing that is the work he puts in and he shares a couple of personal examples of this the work that he's put into creating an environment where people can call him out for his bullshit and he, and he really, really asks the people around him, particularly his team and his peers, to, to call him out when he's not being his authentic self. So it's a really important part of this. I think Ad, Ad really talks to you about, first of all, how to get to know yourself, how to look in with it, and then make sure you create that environment where people can call you out for not being your true authentic self. And that, that's important because that helps you. You know, 
we've all got things going on. That's what Ad talks about is you've got all these press releases going on. What you need is to create an environment where other people can help you and call you out when at times you might be uh, using bullshit and not actually being yourselves. It adds passion and interest in people shines through. So again, this role modeling piece is great in terms of how he talks about the feedback that he's had and the conversations that you can have with your team. And right at the heart of that is his real passion and interest in people. You know, and not only does his work his arse off in his job at Gymshark, which is all about helping others and developing others, he also talks about that time and effort he puts into that uh, coaching role and that manager role for him with his local football team and talks about how it's all about helping those people to be the best version of themselves. There's a real sense to me that I'm talking about in terms of him being the leader who takes accountability for his own attitudes and behaviours and helping others to do the same. So something I'd, I think what I learned from him in this interview that I perhaps hadn't seen from him before is how he holds himself accountable first to show and choose and demonstrate the right attitudes and behaviours and then then helps others to do the same. And I think that's so important, isn't it? You know, I, I think, again, as leaders, it's really, really easy to tell people these are the attitudes and behaviours that you want from them. And actually, you have to take accountability for showing those attitudes and behaviours first. You know, there's this bullshit of do as I say, not as I do. The reality is you have to role model what it is that you want from others first. And, and Ad really brings that to life for us in his interview. And look, final thing before we get stuck into it to listen out for is how Ad talks about and shares about perceptions and how they work against us. And in particular, how he's worked really hard to get absolute clarity on what motivates him and what and what he needs from a leader. So there's a great story he tells about a role that he was in in the past when he was unhappy and how he's then taken responsibility for being himself and putting in the right amount of hard work. You know, again, we're going back to that hard work to get back to what he wants in his working relationship. So he really talks about how the perceptions have worked to get how his old perceptions have worked against him in the past and have sent him into a role in an environment where he wasn't happy. And then what he learned from that and how he then took responsibility for making sure he's in the right place and putting the right amount of hard work and time and energy into really getting what he wants from his work and relationships. And again, we, we don't do that enough. We often allow our work and relationships to take things from us. And we need to give, of course we do. What Ad, I believe, really reminds us of is we've got to get clear on this is what I want from that work and those relationships. So... Let's get on with it then, shall we? Time for me to shut up, show you the hard work and the graph that me and I put into this interview. Uh, enjoy Ad's interview, and I will be back at the end to ask you those coaching questions and summarise some of the key points. And I'll see you after the wonderful Adam Davis. Ad Davies, hello, my mate. Welcome to the Break the Mold podcast. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. And as always, it's a pleasure to be talking to you, my friend. Same to you, mate. Same to you. Right. Uh, we will start in the same way that every interview starts, Ad. Get straight into it. What does being your true, authentic self mean to you? Um, the best question we can start with, isn't it? I think... Number one for me always is wearing no masks. So not thinking I've got to be certain things to certain people at certain times or entering every single room as as much as my normal everyday self that I can be, um, not pretending. And just generally with 
a big element of happiness um, because I'd like to think my true authentic self is the one where I'm most happy. So bringing that to every single room where I can. Yeah. I like the enter the room. Um, so being really honest, I, I don't think people do that enough. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think a lot of people talk now about going from team call to team call or from meeting to meeting. But from your point of view, Ad, what? Actually, I'll ask you first. What helps you to be the version of you you want to be when you walk into every room? Yeah, well, walking into the rooms to start. Um, I, I love being around other people. Absolutely, get my energy from being around other people, talking, ideating sharing knowledge, questioning each other. So a, a big part of of that is allowing me to just be in a room with people. Um, yeah. And if I think about periods of time over the last few years where you weren't able to do that, it meant that I wasn't effective. I wasn't as good as I could have been um, around others. Yeah. And that was learning during that period of time. So yeah, um, being around other people and asking questions and listening and gaining knowledge is is where I'd like to think I do my best work to. Thank you. So let me ask you the other way then. What stops people from thinking about who they are and what their, their energy they're bringing into the room? What do you think makes people sort of just forget about that? Um, it's like office habits and habitual behaviour of I bounce from call to call. That makes me really busy. Uh, and then I'm just repeating the same behavior over and over again. So I, I now like I've been having this conversation with people at work and we've been laughing about it. You know, when you ask people how they are these days, they say, yeah, good, busy. <laughs> well, busy ain't how you are. It's what you are. And I think we've got into this um, habit and this purgatory of I'll go from Zoom call to Zoom call. Every single one is 45 minutes to an hour. I sit quiet. I unmute when I speak and I'm transactional. Whereas, you know, some of the best working environments I've been in are the ones where you're all in a room and throwing things about and people are ideating and, you know, they're up and about and moving. So, yeah, I think we've lost a little bit of it just with the habits of jumping from what is deemed to be really busy. I've just got this image now of you being in a room and just people throwing lots of things around at you. <laughs> <laughs> it um, is a bit like that. It is a little bit like that sometimes, let me tell you. So, if I'm honest, I'm thinking, I wish I was in that room. That's the kind of room I want to be in. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? I actually think as well, you just used one of the best, if not the best descriptions of that whole piece around COVID and changing the way we worked. It's purgatory. It did. Yeah fucking feel like purgatory i have to stay home i have to sit and talk to this laptop all day and you're right that it has impacted on people you're absolutely right i, I call that out to people when they say i'm all right really busy and you're right challenging well what does that say to you in here and is it like a competition so you might think about this in your organization but also from that wider leadership piece is around that covid pandemic whatever term we want to use for it and that change in that work hybrid working and all this sort of stuff how well do you think we have actually recovered as people from a point of view of how we now work together in the relationships we build and how we feel about each other well that's a good question 
Um, I'm going to take a second just to gather all them opinions that just rushed into my brain really quickly. Um, I, I think not very well, not very well, but in the sense of it, we've swung from one pendulum to another. So we were forced into a doing back-to-back Zoom calls every single day, hardly having any time with other people in real life, and then doing a Zoom quiz after with your friends and family. And it was just this flux. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember them? Yeah. <laughs> and then we've we've gone back to, ah, so standard working life was being back in the office all the time. And you're finding a little bit of that opposition of, well, no, this is the way I prefer to work now. This is the way I prefer to collaborate now. But a Zoom call, however we dress them up, and, and I try and make them entertaining and, and collaborative and a, a place where we're sharing ideas. However you dress it up, you're waiting to talk. Yeah. You're waiting to say your bit. You're muted for most of the time. You've got plenty of distractions around you. Even if I if I open the door now, I've got two dogs that will run into the room. I've got loads of distractions. So I can't be fully present with people really. Yeah. And then and then you you add in that we've maintained that meeting culture of 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Like, what conversation lasts that long, really? Because <laughs> it, it's a meeting on Zoom, we have to. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think we've recovered very well because we now find ourselves in a little bit more of a flux of, well, this is what some people might prefer, which I get, and we have to work with absolutely. And of course, and there's other people that are really pushing the other way. Let's get everyone back in. And I think if we just sat and spoke to people and said, can we find a, a little bit of an impasse here that works for you and works for me? You can start to bring back a little bit of what made us what we were before. And so good at what we were doing prior to that, strange period of time <laughs> yeah thank you i think you've articulated that beautifully as and, and i think look genuinely i i see this as a big problem and i and i see that from working with leadership teams working with organizations and i i think as well there's a bit of the the messages i feel that are too prevalent are everybody should get hybrid working right yeah. And I get it. Let's never go back to what it was. I don't ever think anybody should get an email saying from next week, you're back at your desk Monday to Friday, nine to five. I, I didn't believe in that 20 years ago. Never mind now. I, know, I just, it, it feels like there's too much pressure to, you must make hybrid working work. And like you say, let's just talk to each other. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a just... concept, isn't it? It's let's make hybrid working work. Well, how does it work? Uh, yeah. It works different. It works different for whoever it is that you've got around yeah. you. Organization and the term hybrid means that it's going to be different. Um, yeah. So let's, let's try and talk to people. Let's try and see what it is that best works for them, so that they can bring as much as of their authentic self and as much of their preference to how they get their stuff done. Yeah, um, that'd be my simple way of attacking it. I, I completely agree, Matt. I think that bit you said there about let's talk to people about how they get stuff done. I, I think that's maybe the bit that we've gone away from. And that's why we're on calls after calls and actually just shift it back and going, what's my real job? What's what should I actually you know what am I expected to get done today? And I think the piece you said about your two dogs outside the doors laughing at that because we've just got a new kitten. So yeah, if I open that door over there then she'll be bounding oh, yeah. and <laughs> my daughter's upstairs and all that sort of stuff. So it you're right and it's interesting because that rightly was regarded as a positive thing. 
there's also, and, and this is this is you've set this up nicely for the question we're asking about the, the molds that people are fitting into. I've also seen it put people under pressure. So the main thing that my wife and kids have said to me when I've been working from home pre- more prevalently, and particularly back in COVID days when they were at home as well, was they just told me off for of swearing because yeah. <laughs> they could hear me through the door. So yeah, all right, yeah. guilty. Yet other people have said to me that they felt pressure that they were sat in one room and the husband was over here or you know, the kids are outside the door. What they were saying is, I felt under pressure because I don't speak to them like I speak to people at work. You know, this classic thing of that's work me, that's home me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, as you'd expect, it breaks my heart because there's only one you. So actually just be who you are. But they, and, and it might link to what we talked about there in terms of those pressures and the poetry of being in is the, the moulds that people fit into. That's a term I use is that for a lot of leaders in particular, we end up fitting into this mould. So what... What moulds have you seen others fitting into and why? Or what moulds have you maybe fitted into in the past and why? Yeah, yeah. And and I've 100% fitted into many moulds over my um, short career. And and even interestingly, the the fact that you spoke about me being in one room, partner being in another or person being in another room, and, and it is a silo. And yeah. that, is, that is the main mould that I have seen and see people fit into because you you fall into what is deemed as an area of expertise, technicality, something you're good at, something you do. Business yeah. starts to grow. Lots more people start being added to it. They're doing things as well. You're not talking often. Um, so you start to just hold on to the bit that you know best, which is the work that you deliver, the people that you work around, the silo that you're you're in. Yeah. Um, that's number one. It's it's one I see in lots of different businesses, ones that I've worked in and ones of, of people that I speak to. Um, I suppose another one and one that I've done myself is, is that little bit of pretending. So um, I lo- love her to death. My partner says to me, similar to yours, uh, if she walks past and listens to me talking on a call, she's a midwife for context. She says to me, you just talk shit all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and there's, there are times, it's the truth. It's the, like, she honestly said that to me. But context, she's talking about something in such a high, intense situation, and she's trying to um, talk to the people that she's caring for. I'm talking about people and asking decent questions and <laughs> leadership challenges it's not the same but we've never had this sort of conversation either yeah so there's times where i've gone into businesses and into places and i'm thinking god i'll really ramp it up today because we don't have this sort of conversation at home when really we probably could it was just me thinking that you we can't or or we don't yeah. shouldn't um so i've done a little bit of that myself so i think that the the two main ones are working in a silo and following the crowd um, the crowd that's around you and then pretending to wearing a bit of a mask of this is what I think people want from me when actually you ain't going to do very good at that unless you're doing what's right for you yeah yeah I think the silo molds honestly mate I, I, I would be surprised if there's anybody that listens to this who doesn't get the silo mold who, who either doesn't look at themselves and go god yeah I'm working in silos or yeah we do that in our organization or in my team and you're right, the pretending bit, it is interesting, isn't it? it? 
people do that. And I think it's a good way of calling it out because no, but there's very, 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 well, narcissists are the only people I can think of. Nobody would want to live their life pretending to be something they're not. Yet we do fall into that mold, don't be in the workplace. And um, I want to ask you something about that, actually, particularly thinking about leaders listening to this. Before I do that, I was laughing me enough when you said about uh, Lizzie saying that to you about you just talk shit all day. Because I was thinking uh, the other day I was uh, speaking to one of my one of my really really good friends. He follows me on LinkedIn. He knows what I do. You know, he gets it. He works in. He's a leader himself and stuff. And we're having a conversation, and I, and I did that thing. You know, and you stop yourself in your own head, and like you just forget what you're talking about. I just went. God, I'm sorry. I think I've just started talking shit now. I completely forgot what I was going to say. And he just looked at me, nudged me, and went, "Fucking hell, mate! People pay you a lot of money to talk shit." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, all right, fair <laughs> enough." So yes, can you imagine? <laughs> I, and you know what? I try and pride myself on and remind myself of. Keep it simple, lad. Stop using massive like the team. Honestly, they banter me like. <laughs> using the words that I've been using on a constant <laughs> basis. So we had a team away day the other day, and I said, some of the work that we're going to do is cyclical, and the team burst out laughing in the room. <laughs> and one of them, you're saying it again, cyclicals is words now. Like, I thought, oh, God, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing it again. And it, and, and even with, with, like, keeping it simple in mind, um. My mom, bless her, she listens to these podcasts, she loves it. And then she sends me a message after saying, very good. No idea what you're talking about, though. No idea. <laughs> very good. Sounded great on that. But I've got no idea what you're talking about. So there's a reminder yeah. to keep it simple, eh? It's, yeah. And do you know what? I think it's a great reminder for me and everybody else listening to this, that we do do it. And, and I think it's good that with your team... We need people to say that to us, don't we? We need people to laugh a little bit and go, who do you think you are? Cyclical? Yeah, yeah. You're right. There's a team I'm working with at the moment, and they started very kind of silos. I think that's a great – they were working in silos, and we've really moved them forward now, where they're calling out the bullshit. We was there the other week, and they're getting towards the end of the programme and stuff like that. So one of them started to talk about, right, what we're going to do about like showing return on investment in this stuff we've been doing in this room and like continuous improvement. <coughs> Almost every single other person in the group just went, bullshit. Yeah, so what they've done is said, we need to stop talking like that. Yeah. And what they were saying is, look, we, we get where you're coming from. Can we not just strip it back and go, what do we need to show that we've done as a result of this? And actually, what 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 one of them asked is what's the brave conversation we need to have with our leaders to show them this matters yeah. and we have done something with it. And even though you might not see it on a number, yeah, you know, because you said on investment you jump to numbers, you know, and, and they say, you know, and then they challenge each other and go, is it about continuous improvement? Because actually we've been doing this for 12 months, so surely we should be saying in those 12 months, this is what we've changed. And I just I just loved it and it you made me think of it there with your team. We, you know, I think the leaders listening to this encourage them to think about how do you get your team to do that for you and and who else can do that? Well, and I know that we're laughing, but there's a real element of trying to create, the term is psychological safety, isn't it? But trying yes, to create absolutely. an environment where not a, a success of mine, talk about return on investment, I count a success of mine and I'd be happy to share it with my CPO and my boss is that when I come out with some stuff, 
my team burst out laughing in front of me. Yeah. Like, or they pull me up and say, you, you're saying that again? What do you mean? Because that says to me, we've got ourselves to a point where they feel all right to do it, but I feel all right to to say it because it's what yeah. I am. Uh, and and in my mind, sometimes things make perfect sense. And, I, and I've done enough tests and whatnot now to know that sometimes I need to talk things out loud to make sense of them. And it's at that point that they remind me to keep it simple. <laughs> or like Jen, oh, she's like, Jem, Rhoda, they all do it. I'll be honest, they all do it. But Gemma will say to me, you're doing that thing again, Ad, where you, you've thought something through and it makes complete sense to you in your world and none of us know what you're talking about yet. So yeah. let's, let's have a proper conversation about it. But yeah, I count that as a huge success story of my own that we managed to get ourselves to that state. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a bit there, isn't there, you know, for everybody listening to this, encourage you to go look at what your own success is. You're right, because it doesn't have to be pounds, shilling, pence, or percentages and KPIs. You're right, for you internally. So when you're talking about that, for me, I can recognise a lot of that is in your self-awareness, is how well you know yourself, like you say, around just having to think things out. Some of your values coming out there, there's a lot of integrity in there, and you've clearly built trust with your team for them to call that out. And you're right that that'll lead to more organizational success than corporate bullshit and return on investment and everything else that nobody likes talking about you're right is actually internally have that yeah. success and i think as well there's a piece there when you said that somebody says to you doing that thing again that i i really want you to take that as a really strong positive reflection on you as an authentic leader because that's authenticity right there isn't it that i can just say to my boss you're doing that thing again what are you talking about? Because that that's how a lot of people talk, if not everybody. That that's you'd say that to your wife, to your best mate, to your kids. You know, you, you would psychological safety in your family, you'd just put your hand up and go, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Or classic thing that my wife says to me, Why are you banging on about that again? Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. is it's just the checking, isn't it? You're right, it's just that reminder. So what I want to ask you about this, it comes back to, I think, your silos piece before and the moulds, because, again, I feel like there's an opportunity here to just, just raise a conversation that will particularly help leaders look at this. You know, when you said about we come into this particular part of the organisation and then this organisation grows or somebody else comes in and then suddenly it's about me being siloed, maybe being a bit insular because I stick to this is my technical, this is my expertise, this is mine, so I'm not going to get involved with other people not going to collaborate, not going to put me head above the parapet. Yeah. What role does a leader play in that? And, and and for leaders listening to this, what can they do to break that mould? So they, even though the business is growing and other areas might be challenging and things outside of their control put them under pressure, what can a leader do to keep encouraging and challenging their team to not take that silo attitude? Yeah. Uh, number one is to role model the behaviour that you want to see in other people. So, and I, and I can say this knowing that I have been guilty at times of protecting our stuff, over protecting the team, not engaging in conversations with other leaders. And I thought I was doing the right thing at the time, but I wasn't. Yeah. So, I have to role model the behavior that you want to see in the people around you. So, and I'm not just talking about turning work into conversations here, but it's the thing that you do the most. So, if we can, if we can. Let's take strategy as an example of where the business is heading. If we know and we understand that from the, the top level of the business and everyone's bought into the why, brilliant. 
leader's role then is to continue to give people clarity of how what what that looks like for them so be the person that you know removes barriers and blocks off some of the rubbish day to day that means that we get into this silo functional working and yeah. continue to give people clarity and that can be for any means to kpis okrs general conversations whatever it is just yeah. give people clarity of why they exist and what it is that they're doing the the second thing is try and be as consistent as you possibly can with your leadership. So I, I referenced that bit um, myself there. There are times where I can, I know I can be quite effective at giving people clarity, helping them yeah. understand why, giving them clear purpose. And there's times where I can start protecting my stuff and getting my arms around stuff and getting involved where I don't need to. So try and bring a, a level of consistency into your leadership. And then, Last but not least, I see a leader's role as helping people understand what their accountability is. Um, and over the course of a career in, whether it's football or commercial business, what people really want to know is, how is what I'm doing, and I, I say what people really want to know from my experience, um, how is what I'm doing affecting the bigger picture of this business or yeah. this club or this thing that we're doing? Yeah. Now I see that as the job of the leader. Clear the pathway for people to be able to see that clearly. Yeah. So I just want to repeat that back. The role of the leader is helping people understand what their own accountability is. Yeah. Clarity, leadership, accountability. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I'm really pleased that you've said that because the, the A word accountability is something I spend a lot of time talking about the leaders and helping them, challenging them on it. To me, I think you just truly define that right way of looking at accountability in others is actually the leader's role is to help them to understand what their own accountability is. Not, not to sit there and go, why doesn't Ab take accountability? I give him accountability. Yeah, take a step back and actually help those people to understand exactly what that is. And like you say, how it contributes to the, the bigger picture in there. Because there's a nice bit there, I would say, for leaders listening to this is, that takes a bit of pressure off them, doesn't it? I, I, I believe a lot of leaders fail to create accountability because they put themselves under too much pressure. So I have to do this. I have to get involved. I have to fix that. And mm. then naturally what you're doing is making it really easy for your team to not take accountability. And I think, yeah, just flipping it in that way in terms of helping people to understand what their own accountability is. Tim, I've got to tell you, 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 you know I love a story. But with that in mind... And I want, I'm like really keen for the listener to know this stuff happens day to day. Um, we were running a, a series of uh, leadership initiatives, a bit, a bit of a product to uh, this is what we're going to go after for our leaders. We've identified this and here we go. And that's yeah. booked in. Um, and again, this is, this is Gemma who I'm really <laughs> for. So like on the Friday, I'm sending her loads of messages. Is this is this ready for this? And, you know, going back and forth. And have we thought about this? And have we sorted this? And she said, you got two minutes. And I said, yeah, no worries. So I jumped on a call thinking that she was going to ask me questions about what I was asking her. Yeah. She said, you know, when you get stressed out about something. And I, yeah, she went, you just like meddle. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> and, and God, this is a true story. God's honest truth. She went, so we agreed that like we call each other out and our bullshit. She went, you're making this really hard for me. 
Wow. Like, and and to sit back then and go, yeah, because I have, I've got stressed out about thinking, is everything sorted? Does everyone know what's happening? Yeah. Have we got everyone there that we need to? And all of a sudden, I'm starting to involve myself at a level I shouldn't be at. Yeah. That's someone out, that's been someone else's work from the start. It was their accountability. So by getting involved in it now, I was effectively saying to Gemma, I don't trust everything that you've sorted. Yeah. And now what? Because well, what's the what's the explanation for getting involved otherwise? So just fortunate enough that she, like, and this is this is as much of having really decent people around you who are willing to do this than it is anything else, I feel. The fact that she can say, we agreed to call it call each other out on a bullshit and this is you getting involved. Again, massively fortunate for people like yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you something about that actually in terms of creating that environment. Before you do though, there's something I really want to encourage people to pick up on in terms of what you said there about when you get stressed, you meddle. Yeah. Because it's such an easy thing for leaders to do and there's a bit there of what you're doing and particularly what Gemma's helping you with there is understanding the why. Because you're right, when we're stressed as a leader or we think something's going to go wrong or, you know, it's, it's on my head and all that kind of stuff or it looks bad on me, yeah. that drives us, you're right, to get to meddle, to start yeah. telling them. And you're right, actually, your behaviour there tells Gemma the complete opposite of what you believe. It's just because you're reacting to what's going on in here. And I think there's a really important point for anyone listening to this about when you're in those situations, particularly when you're stressed, choosing what to respond to because you're doing that with a positive intent you're doing yeah. that because you want to help them you want it to go well and it's that ability to take a step back and go no what i need to do is respond to that i want it to go well i want to help them so maybe the best thing i can do is just let them get on with it or give them feedback or just say look i know the pressure's on if you need anything i'm here or what do you need me to be doing because you're right just trying to meddle to use that, that word Comes from positive intent, but the reality is your team just wanted to get out of the way. And yeah. now, look, the, the ability for Gemma to call that out for you, and you said before about the team laughing at you saying cyclical. <laughs> um, what what are the what are the steps or the the conversations you've had to get to that stage? Has it happened organically, or have you engaged in conversations that create that kind of environment for you? Um. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no what I would say is there's no way of going into every single new team, new group of people and following these same steps because I think everyone has different makeup and challenges. Yes. But one thing that's been a, a constant and a consistent is um and this is learning from molds that I fell into where I have done it, is I go in and I say straight off the bat, this is what type of leader I do want to be. This is what type of leader I don't want to be. And we had this conversation the other day um, because we're, we're doing a little bit more work with a wider team. And I need you to call me out when I'm doing this bit. And I need you to help me understand if this works for you when I'm doing that bit. So we we do that straight off the bat. And the, the mould that I fell into in the past that I don't anymore is, I used to think, because I was a leader at, in a football club or in a business that ultimately everything I did will, will be right in the end. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you very much, everybody. What we're going to do is this. I now know that most of the right stuff comes from those people and it's my job to just 
help them continue in what they're doing. So I, I used to to wear that mask and sit in that mask of, yeah, I'm the leader though, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So now I try my best to not do that sort of stuff and to not say, I think, at the end of a conversation and, and start saying, can I suggest or what do we think of this and then come to a consensus between us and and the team hopefully then no number one i'm not coming with any malicious intent and number two i'm not wasting their time by listening to them for 20 minutes and then saying cool so what we're going to do is this yeah and 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 taking as much as of what they're putting into the conversation forward in in what we do next as a team or business yeah thanks Ad. i think the the bit you said there about in fact, I'll go back to something you said earlier about something because I think it's important where you said about, you're right, people can't follow the exact same steps as you because everybody's different. So I think there's a nice message there about choosing the steps that are right for you, choosing the steps to create that right environment for you and the people you lead. And I think you're right, that bit of saying, I think, it's, I mean, it, me and you could probably fill an entire podcast of the, the sayings that we use that completely undermine the message that we want to use and yeah that that bit of i think can be so demoralizing for people i don't i don't think it's unfair to use that stronger word i think i've just said it you know it, it really what you're saying to the person is i'm just going to say what i think and really the other person's going you know, I, I want you to show an interest in what i think i think that's so valuable isn't it yeah. you know um, you said you, you said about one of the first steps was sharing with your team this is a leader i want to be and i want you to help me if if these are the things i'm doing what what advice would you give to people so they can find out the lead, who who is or what is the leader that they want to be? How can people get that level of self-awareness? Um, I think I've known from an early age and just like reading then into books and podcasts and ways in which I can bring this stuff out. I know what gets me out of bed and it's coaching, it's being around people, it's leading it's creating environments where people can be their best and most authentic self, right? And succeed and do well. I love it. I always have. Um, so one thing that's really helped me with that is unpacking that into like a real value-based statement. So before, when people would have said in the classic conversations we've all had, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and and what do you want to be in five years' time? I say, I oh, like a coach or a leader. I didn't know why. So when they asked me why, yeah. uh, I couldn't articulate. So I've gone some lengths to like understanding those value drivers, and they're like very personal because it's been the way I've been brought up and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I I'd like unpack. I'd ask myself a couple of questions, and we do this as an exercise sometimes in various different spaces. When were you at your most happy? Who was around you? What were you doing? Right. And unpack those things. Look, Tim, I'm not going to lie to you on here. I don't journal. I don't write in-depth things. I don't, I'm really rubbish yeah. at taking a step back and having a look. But taking a minute to articulate, when were you at your most happy? What was going on? Who did you share it with? When were you most full of pride? What was going on? Um, when were you at your most self-fulfilled? What was going on? Who you were you with and when you've got those three statements you can go and look at that and say right there's a theme here i am desperate to support other people to do well i've got a i've got a coaching driver uh, and now i can articulate it 
if I stopped in a lift with my CEO. Um, I, I've the elevator pitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a competitive streak because I'm a twin, and in my head, I've always been thinking, okay, do, yeah. do more, do more. So that is a value driver, uh, whatever that success is. But competitiveness is a value driver, and I now know what these three things are. So if I was ever in an interview or in, I, I say the old elevator pitch with the CEO, and they said to me, "What well, gets you out of bed to come and work here?" Then I can now say, "Boom, boom, boom." Uh, and and starting with your values is a is a great place as a leader to know yeah. what in the way in which you do. Yes, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think sometimes people think I'm insane when. I encourage them to build the map of the world. Yet it it just allows us to see that's why I think that way. That's why I behave that way. And like you say, it allows to identify the positive motivators for us and create the opportunity to do the things that make us happy. Why why shouldn't we choose to do things that give us positive energy? And that doesn't have to be, I have to go and work for Manchester United or I have to go and work in this job. Actually, look at the job you're in and decide those are the things that make me happy. So for you, clearly, it's about working with people. It's about helping them to develop. It's about coaching them. So, you know, potentially what you're uncovering there is one of the strengths for you in building the environment where people call out the bullshit. A lot of that will come from because you're motivated by helping those people. You're motivated by coaching them. And yeah, if somebody's the complete opposite of that, you know, if somebody's motivated by, I want to be in charge and I want people to do what I asked them to do, okay, now you know that, what are the conversations you need to have to create the environment where that works well for you yeah. and others? And that's the know. thing. That's that's a wonderful point. Works for you and others. Because I've been, I can be and have been quite quickly a terrible employee when I see that sort of behavior. Because okay, it, yeah. it, it, and in growing up in football and in business, how, how I've attacked that situation in the past would have been, you're trying to push your own agenda here and you know th this is all about you this isn't about the team and people succeeding and I've got my back up and I've got into conflict especially in football yeah actually with a little bit more experience and being able to unpack that now asking that question that you just referenced there in regards to how can we make this work for all of us yeah is how we create that environment rather than just assuming that you're trying to get ahead yourself or you're trying to be a blocker for other people. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I, I think it helps people to stop wasting the time on the things that are outside of their control. You know, I, I know I, I wasted years, not going to lie, years working for people who, exactly like you just described, conflicted with my values, you know, broke some of my beliefs. And instead of taking a step back and going, well, that reflects on them. And actually, I know why this upsets me and I know why I get frustrated this is how I respond to make it work for me and my team. I tried too hard to focus on them and, oh, they do that and it's not fair and they show that. And it's just such a waste of time and energy, isn't it? And it it maybe sets us up nicely for this question that I'm, I'm making sure I ask every guest because when I was saying there about I could completely relate to that, then a lot of the people I'm referring to would be the dickheads that I've encountered in my yeah. career. Now, I always make sure I explain this in every podcast because if people – only listen to one episode. I want to be really clear that when I use the term dickhead, I am not judging people. I am not uh, saying that they are a really, really bad person. For me, the dickhead term is all about those leaders in particular who have no self-awareness 
and who's they don't show any integrity and whose behaviours are irritating to others. That that to me is the dickhead, and we can all be one of those dickheads at times. And I have been. Uh, it, yeah, oh, I, I would put my hand up. Definitely own up. I've definitely been a dickhead in the past. My wife will probably say I still am. Um, <laughs> so the the question of asking every guest that is, how can our audience stop themselves from being a dickhead? Um, and I'm doing my best to not make this such a simple and basic answer, but it's except that at some point you've either been one or you're going to be one because you can't get it right all the time. And it is a misconception in leadership that everything you touch turns to gold. You get the final say, you'll be the person in the end that has it on your head and, and whatnot. And because of that, we get it wrong. Yeah. So if, if you are in the mindset and are currently sat there, and I've been like this in football before when things are going well, uh, whatever else goes on, I'll make the final decision. Whatever else goes on, I'll be the person who does this. You're probably starting to fall into that territory. Yeah. Because you've stopped working for the people around you. You've, yeah. you've, stopped, you've stopped serving the people around you who are looking for clarity, leadership, accountability, role model behavior. And you've started falling into your own silo with a mask or a mold of pretending. Yeah. Um, and, and I've done it. I've done it in football. I've done it in business. I've been a blocker. I've held stuff. Even so recently, the team has said to me, because like some of the some some of the areas of the team moved out into another area of the business and they're now coming back. So we've started having the conversation around never missing twice. So like, what have we got to do different this time that we didn't do last time? Um and and Rhoda, one of the uh, one of the ladies who works in the team, said to me, "Sometimes, Ad, you can get really protective over what we do." Okay, yeah. Um, and because you get really protective of what we do, other people don't know what we're doing. Um, and that's to me, Tim. That's me being a dickhead. Because why am I holding it? <laughs> if I if I truly want people to know what the team are doing, why they're doing it, where they're having impact. I'll be out there actively encouraging conversations with other members yeah. of other teams and breaking down functional silos and, uh, and and holding this work up and saying, how can other people get involved in this? So that's me falling into that trap of, I've got to protect these people because they're doing really good stuff. Yeah. I haven't. I've got to hold them up. I could go around all day, I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on, sorry, I'm impassioned because I've been it, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. I've been and I've done it and I've seen it. Um, yeah. And I dislike myself for it, but I'm glad I've learned from it. Yeah. You're right. That, that I think that's the key is that we do learn from it. Nobody sets out to be the dickhead. Nobody wakes up in the, uh, believe it or not, people don't wake up in the morning and think I'm going to be a total dickhead today. It's the emotions, it's things that trigger it, isn't it? And I think what's lovely about that is you're reminding people it's okay. Yeah. And I think you're also that example you shared there around the protecting of it, because people are doing a good job of protect them. You're right, that's the lack of self-awareness, isn't it? It's the behaviours that irritate others, because I think it's very easy for people to think, oh, he's talking about dickheads. That's just the person who shouts at everybody or, 
you know, doesn't doesn't engage with people. And yeah, clearly that's a massive dickhead. Yeah, it's in the individual examples of behaviours, isn't it? And that awareness is that key point there. And I think the bit that you raised there around just, just being aware of it, I love what you said about it's all right, accept that you might have been the dickhead in the past yeah. and you might you might be one again at some point. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that bit you said about, you know, it's okay that we get it wrong. I think I'm sure you you've definitely said this to me before about we're all making it up as we go along. So it's all right that you get it wrong. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I that's really you might have even said that to me the first time we met, you know, and, and it's really stuck with me. Like I thought, yeah, we are making it up because nobody's ever been at Davies before. So how, how, how can you possibly know exactly what that path? Sure, people have done your job are similar in similar organisations. The reality is you being you, yeah, you're making it up day by day. So it's well, it's yeah. all right. And that's not that's not downplaying people's expertise, the work that they've done, their yes. education. But day by day, life means that you do approach it different. And it's actually, it's someone we both know, it's Jeffrey Lee. Um, oh, yes. Master, yeah, yeah. master NLP. NLP, yeah. yeah. Superstar, Jeff. He's <laughs> the person who first said it to me. So I, we were, we were having a training session. I went off on an impassioned rant about why people can't understand that we are all, uh, you're in control of yourself. So every day get up and make you the right decisions. And I started saying, well, why is this happening there? And why is that happening there? And Jeffrey laughed. And lent in as he does and went, because we're all making it up, so why not make it up good? And it is just, you know, when one of them things sticks with you forever. Yeah. And I remember our first conversation and, and the question, well, you're asking me at the time, why do you do what you do and what sort of leader do you want to be? And yeah, what are the main behaviours? Yeah, I'm making it up. I'm making yeah. it up. I'm making it up at work and just trying to base it around good intent and helping other people understand how they can achieve what they want to. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think that reminds leaders, doesn't it, listen to this, that the people they're leading are making it up, so it's it's all right, because I think the bit that <coughs> I really love about, excuse me, what you just said there, is it reminds us we all have these expectations of other people, and yet the reality is every day they turn up, they are making it up as they go along. They they might have done this same thing a hundred times, yet for them it's a different situation because their emotions are different. What they've done that morning, what was happening yesterday, what they're worrying about tomorrow, yeah. just impacts on it, doesn't it? And I think you said about the, the bit about protecting people. To me, it's a great example and a great reminder for us that our heart and mind are the most important and most powerful things on earth. They, they are. They are better than any technology we will ever invent because the heart and mind invent technology. Yet your heart and mind are also a complete set of bastards. Yeah. Because they trick us. Mm. You know, you, you there trying to protect people. That's simply your heart and mind going, or oh, don't risk telling people how good they are, Ad. Just take yeah. the reward for yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and actually when you take a step back up, oh, no, that's ridiculous. Of course it's more rewarding if I recognize people and I get out there and promote my team because that's encourages them. It makes my life easier. It encourages yeah. the business to work with us. Yet internally, your heart and mind are going, nah, mate, just just sit down for today. Yeah. Just don't go and tell them. Just, just they're better than you. Just it's all right if oh, if you do that, somebody's gonna tell you actually, I think your team's shit and I think this, and they're gonna make you do this. And yeah, it's just he's been able to listen to that piece, isn't it? And 
respond in a way so that you don't show the dickhead behaviours, actually respond in a way that you know is the better reward. So the other question I ask all of my guests as well, which uh, I think follows on lovely from this, before we get into your uh, reading and the music recommendations, uh, why must it always start with you? Tim, I've got to say, what an unbelievable question to be asking people. That is as powerful and as strong as high performance and Damien and Jake and everything that they're asking people. So props to you, first of all. Um, Well, it always starts with you because truly the only thing that we are in control of is self. Um, From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, circle of influence, control and concern, the only thing in control is how you deal with you. Um, And through now, fortunate enough, years of education with people like Jeffrey and the leaders that I've got around me. There used to be a time you'd hear me say, you're making me feel this way. Or you've done this and therefore it's not true. Yeah, I'm choosing to feel that way. I'm choosing my response. I'm choosing the way I attack a situation. I'm choosing the way I deal with people. So it must always start with you because it can only start with you and it can only end with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's a simple answer to a brilliant question, but the only thing that you can truly control is the way that you show up, the way that you are with people, your responses, whether you're causal, whether you're in effect and you'll be in both. Yeah. And you'll be both, but it's knowing that you are. And and hopefully now, um, in like I don't I don't find that I argue much. I used to argue a lot with people and getting passionate, and and I still do. And it's important to debate, but I don't look at that person anymore and think, God, you're a dick. Yeah. And, and I'll think this is this is a decent chat. Yeah. And I make choices whether I want to engage or not, and so do they. Um. So yeah, it's. Uh, it has to start with you because it does. Fantastic answer, Ad. Yeah, I, I think the bit you said there around deal with you, I think from a leadership point of view, that's so important because a lot of leaders, I don't know, I've done this a lot in the past, is I've got to deal with Ad today. Mm. I've got to deal with this difficult person, this difficult conversation. And actually, right, you've got to deal with you first. Because even in that, if I tell myself, I've got to deal with Ad and I've got to make him convinced to do what I want him to do but actually that's not going to end well actually it's dealing with me first to look at what what's the emotions that are making me think that way and change it like you say choose the response to everything that's going on and it is a choice and I know I sit in a you know I sit with my own privileges and stuff but it, it is a choice how, how many and you'll have this Tim and other people will have as well how many dealing with difficult conversations programs or sessions have you been on and it starts with, think about the environment and where you're doing it. Why doesn't it start with, how are you feeling going into today? Yeah. yeah. Sure, shouldn't it? Yes. So what's your thoughts when you woke up this morning? How do you th- how do you want to attack this situation? What do you want the person to be saying when they're leaving the room? These kind of yeah. questions. That's how it should start. Not not what, what meeting room do we think we should be doing this conversation in? Yeah. Yeah. You, totally right. I mean, I... 
it really uh, winds me up with the difficult conversations, a bit like time management. Somebody somewhere came up with a label for it and now we sell stuff based on that. And I, I'll say genuinely to clients, I will help your leaders to have better conversations. I am not calling it difficult conversations. Because one, I want you to help your leaders to change the perception of it because it's just a conversation. And you're right. Another thing why people think I'm insane and I sometimes get challenged on is, oh, that's how I'll start a day. What do you want to get from today? What do you need from me? Sure, I've got an idea and a plan. You tell me why you're here. I, I can't put something up on a slide or a flip chart and say, right, Adam, by the end of today, you will have learned that and you will go and do that because you'll ch you'll choose what you do as a result of it. So, yeah, and it, sometimes I, I really like the fact that you've used the word simple quite a lot in this interview. And I, and I, and I think it's sometimes it's we need to challenge ourselves to go back to that. Yeah. Actually, what's the more simple approach I can take to this conversation? Maybe I see it as difficult because I've complicated it. Just go back to how do I make this a more simple conversation? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Ad, we've reached the self-indulgence part of the interview. This might be the bit that's hardest for us to stay on track, actually, because we're definitely going to talk about music. But the first question uh, is is another passion of mine, uh, and it's about books. Uh, so what is a book that everyone must read? Um, I mentioned them earlier. I'll mention them again. High Performance, Jacob, yeah. Damien Hughes, as my first book everyone should read, um, because I think there's something to be said for just finding out what works for some of the most successful people around us. Um, and what's lovely about that book as well is it's very easy to tell a story about what other people do. It's really hard to then say, and this is what you should now think about, or this is something that you can do with this. And that book does it really well in the same manner in which, Tim, by the way, you do this and this podcast. The If we're going to, talk about things in regards to self-development and personal development we need to keep it simple and we need to give people something on the back end of it so that they come away and say right actually i've yeah. now got something that i can take away and i think they do that really well in that book and it's just fascinating fascinating people are doing. it's so a great recommendation mate. i'm not afraid to say damien hughes is probably a little bit of a hero of mine we're from a similar part of the world and i remember i was a bit of a fanboy back when I was still employed and uh, found out we was speaking at uh, Manchester Uni. So I was like, bought me a ticket, like sat in the front, like, like you know, like class pet. And it, it was worth it. It was a great experience. And I got to speak to him afterwards. And I, I agree that that podcast and the book, yeah, I totally agree. Keep it simple, help people relate to it, help them to go away and think, I can go and do this, even if it's only one thing. I wholeheartedly agree with that, mate. Uh, right, music time then, Ad. Um, so this is the bit where we might end up talking for three hours. Uh, so what is an album or song that everyone must listen to and why? I've done a, I've done a song and an album, if I can cheat. Good man, of course you can. I've done um, Stereophonics, Just Looking as my song, because I can't sit in front of you and say we're all making it up. Why not make <laughs> it up good? And then not link it back to... There's things I want, there's things I think I want, there's things, <laughs> there's things I want to have. Um, we are making it up on a day-to-day -day basis. And, <laughs> yeah, Stereophonics, in my, like, adolescence, what a band, what a, yes. what a songwriter, uh, what a voice. And, yeah, it's, uh, no matter 
in what scenario, wherever, whenever, they are the songs that you put on and you actually listen to the lyrics rather than just listening to the music. Yes. I love that one. Yeah, it's funny actually, mate, and I'm sure there'll be other people listening to this. When you when you said that lyric out loud, it literally gave me the chills because similar to you from another letters, I can't even say the word. When I was younger, yeah, it's an album that really stuck with me. And it, you're right, I, I I appreciate you talking about the lyrics there because that's something I, I I'm obsessed with music. Yes, a big part of it is you can take those lyrics and make them mean whatever you want to you. It doesn't have to be the same for Kelly Jones. So music and the songs are there for you to take and make them mean whatever they mean to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my, my second one is uh, Stone Foundation, Outside Looking In from an album. And that's this is for anyone listening that knows Tim's a mod as well. This is not me appealing to Tim's better nature. This is <laughs> um, because Neil Sheesby uh, is the bass player, actually, for the Stone Foundation. He's local to me. Yeah. We've struck up a relationship through football um, and I've got like quite an eclectic, everyone says this, but I'll listen to anything. Like if it's the gym in the morning, it could be heavy metal. Um, if it's the drive home of an evening, it's the Stone Foundation um, because it's it's an easy listen. But again, what a great like collection of music. Yeah. It's, yeah. For the era, you, you rarely find people who don't like it. If you put it on, people say, "What's this?" Like, no matter how old they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's just really well put together and a nod yeah. to to someone I admire as well. Yeah, uh, I well, it's definitely one of the best music recommendations, and I love the fact that you've done a song and an album because I'm obsessed with albums. And you're right. I mean, me and you've talked about Stone Foundation, but probably two of their biggest fans, really. And, and I'm going to see them in November. Yeah, they are just. They're almost like a band for me that so many people don't realise exist these yeah. days. I mean, that makes me sound really old because they're so obviously influenced by soul from the 60s or 70s. There's a lot of hip-hop in there, I think, a lot of certainly hip-hop influences uh, and a lot of funk in there. And you're right, every single time I was somewhere around my house and I play whichever of their albums, whether it's my mum or my dad or my best mate or my daughter or somebody, the lads who was doing the kitchen the other week, I had them on in the background. They were like... Who have you got on there? It yeah. just sparks an interest, doesn't it? Yeah, it just uh, so well, so well put together. We walk out to it now. Um, the football team walks out to it, and we play it across the tannoy. We used to, we used to walk out to, um, you know, the snake. Is it Al? Oh yeah, yeah, Al. We, we used to walk out to that, and the lads used to say, "That's going to annoy me until we get that now, Tim." But I know I can't remember his bloody name. But um, he, we used to we used to walk out to that, and now we walk out to changes by the Stone Foundation. And Ace. yeah, it's uh, it's a tune. It it's... is. They are an amazing band. Yeah, anybody listening to this, just just go and listen to their album. Just go and stick any of them on. So the one you recommended is the latest one. They've got ones before that. Yeah, go and listen to it. And uh, uh, as a Northern Soul uh, purist, I'm very glad that you stopped playing the Snake because it's. Not really a Northern Soul song. It's a bit more like the commercial tourist. Because we're, so. we were called the Adders, the Snake. Uh, oh, yeah. but yeah. There's, there's a maybe tenuous link, but yeah. But hey, brilliant. Thank <laughs> you for those two, Ad. Really uh, great recommendations. And I love the way that you've shared your personal uh, connection to those as well, because that's what it's all about, is encouraging people to get that personal connection. So, right. Uh, final question then, Ad. Uh, and this is about finishing on a bit of a tangible bit of advice or 
just something that you said it for somebody could take away from this interview. So what is one thing that the audience can do today to be their true authentic selves? Nice and simple, look inwards and find the time to do it. Um, so often we can get wrapped up in the day-to-day, week-by-week, busyness of life, busyness of work, and at no point do we take a step back and say, what impact am I having on this situation? What impact am I having on this group of people? What environment am I contributing to or creating? So um, it's, it's stopping short of saying, look in the mirror, and it's saying just find some time, take some time to say, what is it that I'm doing here in this situation? Um, because it is, it, it is both the hardest and the easiest thing we can control. Once you get yeah. to know who you are, it does start with you, and you are in control of the manner in which you choose to behave, your reactions to certain situations, how you attack things. It's then beco- It becomes quite easy to say, right, I know I want to show up now. And I know what I want. What what I want people to say about me when I'm not in the room. Yeah, and yeah. So it would be find the time to look inwards, and there's practicality in that as well, Tim. That value stuff, whether it's writing it down, or whether it's asking questions of the people around you. If you've built up that trust and rapport, go and ask them how you're showing up. Go and ask yeah. them if you have a forum currently. So yeah, that that would be it for me. Um, and that's something I've had to learn to do over time. I used to fear it. I used to worry um, what people would say. I used to think, God, I, I, am I being helpful? Shall I just carry on doing what I think is right? And now I free up a little bit of time to say, oof, Ad, you might have not done what you intended on doing there. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be that. Lovely stuff, Ad. And I think there's something important there. The bit about looking in and finding time to There is the time... It's always a time. It's it's a choice, isn't it? You know, I I think people get a bit worked up thinking I've got to sit down and do this. Actually, well, no, you could do it uh, while you're exercising in the morning. You could do it while driving into the office or on the train or, yeah, just, you know, maybe challenging the the listeners to think about what's 10 minutes in your day that put the mobile phone down or, you know, instead of reading a newspaper, instead of reading a bloody newspaper anymore, just, just actually saying... Yeah, there's 10 minutes there in my day. I could just stop and look inwardly because yeah, it's just so important, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Uh, and is part of being an authentic leader. You're going to mess yes. it up. You're going to get it wrong. Um, you're not going to get it right all the time. Hopefully and thankfully, people are in environments where that's kind to them. Um, but yeah, take the time um, and then reap the reward of the learning. Yeah. Yeah, getting it wrong can be... Getting it wrong is kind to us yeah oh really important message yeah i popped a thing on linkedin a long time ago i can't remember what it was now it was just something that was my opinion and i remember it had loads of comments underneath um and then there was one where someone said well we encourage you making mistakes are we can't make mistakes in this environment and can't make mistakes in that environment and at the time i read it and i thought oh god have i missed like have i missed something here and then i look back now and i just think well no, we're not encouraging it, but it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. It happens every day. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. If we hide from it and put people under too much pressure to not make mistakes, they probably end up making more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't hide from it. No. Ad, it's been an absolute pleasure. Now, there's a bit of a spoiler alert because um, 
as people know who listen to these podcasts, and obviously you know that I'm going to do this, I produce a, a pod sheet, a summary of key messages. And on there, I put some coaching questions in. And uh, uh, in the outro that will follow in a moment, uh, I'll, I'll ask some of those coaching questions. But I want to do a spoiler alert, Ad, because I just want to make sure I tell you that listening to you, uh, as I think, give me the chance to ask people possibly the best coaching question I'm ever going to ask anybody. So it was something he said before. So on the pod sheet for this episode, I already know at least one of the uh, coaching questions, and that's going to be, what is the shit that you need to stop talking? <laughs> it's the truth. We all and do it, don't we? Well, yeah, you said something before, I just thought, that's what we need to ask the audience. What's the shit that you need to stop talking? Yeah, there's pages <laughs> full as well. And you know when you're doing it, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Uh, when, when, I, when I start, I, I get it when I start talking about return on investment and transfer of learning. Um, that's when I start feeling it. I love how you change your voice. <laughs> I know. So uncomfortable, but so true. But yeah, look, when you're shit, it makes other people shit around you. When you yeah. talk shit, it makes other people talk it around you. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. On that note, I think we have to end there, mate. So thank you so much, Ad. It's been an absolute pleasure and people are going to get so, so much from listening to this episode, mate. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Tim, thanks for your time and thanks to anybody and everybody listening. Nice one. Top man, Ad. Keep smiling, mate. Keep being you. again we're back uh, first thing for me to say in the summary of Ad's interview is uh, sorry not sorry <laughs> what I mean by that is if you've been listening to that and thinking god these two have got a bit of a bromance going on I make no apologies for that I hope we have got a bit of bromance going on because Ad's somebody who I really really admire and uh, really inspires me and uh, I think over the time we spent a bit more getting to know each other. Yeah, I fucking love the guy. Why not? And I make no apologies for a bit of romance going on. Why shouldn't you have a bit of romance going on with somebody that you want to work well with? Uh, me and my wife are all right that I've got a romance with that, so everybody else can be all right with it. Uh, look, the reason I'm saying that is when ultimately a podcast is you listening to somebody else. Now, whether that's an interview or me rambling on a little bit with the intros and the outros, and you know, from that audio, you will pick up on different levels of trust and rapport. And it's all right if you've been listening to that thinking a bit like, God, these, these two should get a bloody room. <laughs> uh, again, the reason I'm calling that out is you need to go and look for the people that you have that bromance. I'm saying bromance in inverted commas. You can't see me, but I'm doing little inverted commas on either side of the end. Because the more you can find those people and the more you can spend time with them and have a laugh and be yourself and actually the happier you are, the more you get out of life and work. And, you know, I think we should all aim to have those kind of people. You can't be best mates with everybody you work with. Christ, if you try to do that, you're going to be bloody knackered and bloody disappointed. Yet, Ad, for me, is somebody that I really value and I can see that I get a lot more and a different kind of energy from the conversation with him than I might do with other people. So... That's life, isn't it? And I think the more you seek out those people that give you that positive energy, the, the more you're going to get out of your relationships, the more they're going to get out of yourself as well. So what I want to say about Ad's interview then? Well, there's some bits in there that, that I'm going to touch on this a little bit before I'm looking inwardly, but, you know, Ad was really, really 
adamant in terms of what helps you to be your true authentic self was that always developing and applying your self-awareness you know it, it, it kind of never stops really does it you, you can learn all sorts about a leadership theory you can learn all sorts about a technical part of your role the reality is your self-awareness doesn't stop until the day you die because you're always having experiences and i love the way i've really talked about that and brings the value of that self-awareness to life um, again, sorry, not sorry. I'm going to remind you about the importance of that role model behaviour and, and what Ads really talks about there. And, you know, thinking about what you're going to go and role model today, remembering that, particularly as a leader, whatever you're doing rubs off on other people. And I think Ad beautifully articulated that when he said, when you're shit, it makes everyone else shit. Yeah, as a leader, you have bad days. Of course you do. It's being able to have that awareness to recognise, right, I'm not in a great place today. What do I need to do so that it doesn't rub off on other people that I don't suggest to them that just because you're having a bad day, it's all right to be shit or it's all right to demonstrate negative behaviour. So taking ads lead from that, really think about what is it you need to roll on today. Uh, think about what bad habits you need to get rid of, what are the things that you need to get out of, what are the things that you need to change for you and think about how you're going to do that. You know, again, the, the story where Ad was talking about being in his car at one minute to nine, you know, that, that he talks about that's a bad habit. That's a bad habit to get into and to think about what it is you need to change some of those bad habits that you can recognise in yourself as well. Uh, this has been a recurring theme throughout these interviews, and I'm really bloody glad that it has. And Ad talks about this in terms of getting clarity on your values and also adding to that, asking what's important to you. We don't ask each other that, you know, as a leader, if you're listening to this, for me, there's, there's a nice encouragement there to go and ask your team what's important to them. Go and work with them in terms of all of you getting clarity on what your values are and bringing that to life in that environment. And that's probably the final summary that I'd make is if you're taking anything from this, what Ad's talked about there is that environment and creating the right environment. So taking the pressure off you as a leader and actually working with people to create that together and taking a step back to think about what is the right environment? What do we need within that environment so we can all be at our best, we can all be our true authentic selves? And, you know, I think linked to that, something that I'd said was, remember that you don't need all the answers all the time. It's all right that we cock up sometimes. We're human beings. So really taking the pressure off yourself to remember that you are not expected to have all the answers and work with the people around you so they can provide the answers with you. So, uh, as always, there's a summary sheet. If you're listening to this, even if you're the first person in the entire world to be listening to me saying this about this episode, the summary sheet is already available. So uh, you can find that by subscribing at my website, which is enthusedcoaching.com. So if you haven't done that yet, go and subscribe and then you'll get the summary sheets just sent to you uh, in a link that you can just quickly download. And those summary sheets that's what people are feeding back that they're getting a lot of value from it they're using it to trigger some conversations with their teams using it to ask themselves and others some of the coaching questions on there and as always i want to ask you some of the coaching questions so on add summary sheet there's a lot more coaching questions that i've taken from his interview and i'm just going to ask you four now uh, the first one is uh, ad talks about bravery talks about that humility so the first one is to ask you how can you make your uncomfortable conversations more comfortable and there's a nice uh, hint encouragement there about to get more comfortable in your conversations you need to have more conversations so maybe thinking about today what are the conversations you need to have maybe what are the things that you're avoiding because you think it'll be uncomfortable and remembering that reality is the only way to make that more comfortable is to have the uncomfortable conversation so think about 
pardon me, today, how can you make your uncomfortable conversations more comfortable? I love adds messaging around happiness. And the question that I want to take from that is, how happy could you be by being your true authentic self? So, okay, you've got to position that in time for you. So perhaps by listening to this podcast, perhaps by thinking about the coaching questions, perhaps specifically by listening to, to Adam, what he talks about there is maybe you've recognised you could be happier. Maybe you've recognised you're not being your absolute true authentic self. So think about how happy you could be by being that, by getting to know yourself, by living up to what you stand for, by putting your true authentic self into what you do. And maybe you're already being your true authentic self. I am. Uh, I certainly hope that shines through. Yeah, I know. I could do more and I could do other things that would make me happier by being my true authentic self, whether that's about self-confidence, whether that's about still working on uh, overcoming the negative thoughts and feelings that come with being your authentic self, because they do, because you still think about what other people think, you still think about people maybe not like you and all those things because you're a human being. So if you're already being your true authentic self, maybe challenging yourself to think how much happier could you be by doing more and putting your true authentic self into some of the areas that you're not quite yet doing that. So maybe what's some new areas to go and be your true authentic self. So how happy could you be by being your true authentic self? Uh, from that interview with Ad, and I've talked about this already, I'd be an idiot if I didn't ask you, how are you supporting others to create the environment you want to work in? So be clear on what the environment is that you want to work in and then go and look at how you can support others to create it. You can't do that alone. It's not all on you. And really focus on supporting others to create the environment that you want to work in. So how are you supporting others to create the environment you want to work in? And finally, again, a bit of an idiot if I didn't ask you this, especially because of the example that I'd shared there. Uh, what do you need to do to help people to call out your bullshit? So what are the opportunities for you in your role that you can ask other people to call out your bullshit? So what are you potentially doing where you want people to be able to call out some of the bullshit? Maybe that's on the meeting, in the meetings that you have, and maybe it's on Teams calls. Maybe you're just not quite being yourself in other areas. Maybe it's how you react or respond to other people asking you to do things. You know, are, are you doing things? in those requests that make people feel that you're sharing a bit of bullshit, that you're not actually being yourselves. So just be brave, just be challenging yourself to think about where those areas could be. And like I said, the most important thing there is really focus on what do you need to do to help others to call out your bullshit. Right, as always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, both the interview with Ad and also the intro and the outro for myself. I hope it's added value to you and I hope those questions and everything else that I share are challenging you and making you think about yourself. And look, as always, most important question now you've listened to this podcast is what are you going to do as a result of listening to it? Make sure that something comes from you committing your time to listen to this podcast and be inspired by Adam and think about what it is that you're going to do as a result of listening to this podcast. So I'll see you back here next episode. We're into double figures. Again, a little reminder, if you're not done so already, go and subscribe at enthusecoaching.com so you can get the episodes emailed to you every Sunday and get them before anybody else gets notified about them. Keep smiling, keep being you, and remember that it always starts with you.